Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Audio Mac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Romantic Truth Podcast. Please be advised that the content of this show is for mature audiences 18 and over due to the topics discussed. Please feel free to follow and like Romantic Truth on Facebook at facebook.com slash romantic truth. You may also listen to the podcast on anchor.fm slash romantic truth. Now, here is your host Jawson. Hi everyone, Johnson with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. Yeah, baby, because we're keeping it real. Look, um, had an interesting conversation with a friend of mine today. She was on her political soapbox, and I told her, I said, why don't we record this and do a session on the show? At first she was game for it, then she thought about it, and she said, no, mm-mm, I don't want other people to know my personal views. She was afraid of, you know, people coming down on her. Now, here's the thing. I saw her recently in a live, and there was about 15 people on the panel. And again, it was one of those things where people got their emotions up, and before you knew it, nobody could hear anyone. That's the reason why you won't see this show on TikTok. You won't see, you might see advertising for it on TikTok just to let people know it's here but that's about it I'm not putting it out there because I was thinking about doing it on Riverside the uh, platform there I changed my mind if anything I might do something on YouTube maybe still debating it I really don't like doing video in, in the first place but anyway and most of you who've listened to the show already know that We got on this subject of reparations. Now, she's a Democrat, African-American, but she does not believe in reparations. I, on the other hand, look at it from the perspective that it's not feasible. A lot of people base it on the premise that the Japanese-Americans were compensated by 20,000 or their descendants. But here is the problem. You know how many people are interred? 120,000. You multiply that by $20,000 each, it comes out to $2.4 billion. $2.4 billion. That's it. There are state budgets that have more money than that. Now, When we look at the African-American population, I looked at the last census data because we had a decline in the birth rate in the African-American community. So it's about 40,100,000 of us. You multiply that by $20,000 per person. It comes out to about $802 billion with a B. That's more money than we used to bail out the banks in 2008. 
So we know that that's a non-starter. So these politicians can give you all the lip service about reparations. It's not going to happen. Not on that level. That means the government would have to add another trillion dollars to the deficit. At $35 trillion now, highly doubtful they'll do it for that cost. So we have to be practical about things. Now, she got into a debate with a gentleman that she went on a date with recently over this same topic. And she said that she felt as though he got so into his feelings, his voice got high. He started slamming his hand on the table. And he was really upset with her. Because the way she viewed things was that as African-Americans, we didn't go through the struggle. We went through the aftermath, the discrimination and everything, but it wasn't the whips on our backs and that kind of thing. Now, in some ways, I understand where she's coming from. From the standpoint that my father paid a price that I didn't have to pay, his father paid a price that my father didn't have to pay, and my father's father paid the price because he was a slave. So, and on from that point back. And so, in that sense, I could see many of the issues as far as what she's looking at. The progression of individuals as they've gone along. But it's a tough subject. It's a tough subject that people don't want to talk about. But what I'm looking at is something that's a little bit more practical, maybe. We already have HBCUs. We already have colleges and universities. They could improve the online delivery services for these schools. Where they can make it affordable for people to go and get their education. Because that's going to be the thing that's going to get them out of poverty. Giving the money, for the most part, we already saw what happened with the stimulus money. The lines were long to buy sneakers. And these people didn't put anything away. They didn't use the money for what it was for. In some cases, a lot of people did. But see, the problem would be, what if this money was distributed? Let's say hypothetically it was. And they ran through it. And now they want to go back to the government for more. See, that's the biggest uh, fear. One thing that you'll learn about America in general, about its culture, especially in the South, everybody's afraid of being cheated out of something. That's one side effect of capitalism. A lack of trust among the population. Because capitalism is very exploitive got to exploit somebody in order to become rich or to retain your wealth. Somebody has paid a price. Well, see, here's the thing. 
We print up more money than anyone else in the world. We carry larger deficits than anyone else in the world. We have most of our commodities traded globally in our own currency. So we set pretty much policy on a lot of things. Now, we don't really think about this for the most part. That $35 trillion deficit that um, we're supposed to worry about doesn't matter. And the reason why it doesn't matter is because the people that we owe are people that owe us too. So it's a good political football for the most part. Just like we're worried about the government um, shutting down, as we always have to, right? That's all political theater for the most part. Wall Street likes to overreact because hedge fund managers make a hell of a lot of money when it comes to volatility. So, of course, they're going to act like nervous Nellies. So, as long as they do that, that air of uncertainty is there. They can hedge against the market, make money, and then turn it right around and take advantage of the bull market when it does come back. A lot of your money winds up, your investments wind up in the VIX index when the market is bad. And when it's good, oh, you're in all of these different indexes at that point. But here's a couple of other things you need to realize. A lot of you are asking maybe, why does this have to do with relationships? How does it have to do with relationships? Well, here's the thing. People feel sentiments. And when they feel these sentiments, it modifies their thinking and their behavior. So that person that you may meet may be affected by some of the volatility in the market. I'll give you an example. Take, for instance, you're going on a date with a government employee. And that person may stand a chance of maybe not getting their paycheck in June or July. And so they may alter their plans. And say, hey, you know what? I'll have to cancel the date or else we're going to have to go and scale it down a bit because I don't know when I'm going to get paid again. But see, this is a political move, just like it's been done before. Whoever's in the office, whoever's administration's in the office, the other party will make it difficult for them to approve the budget or to pay the bills from the past. And with that, it makes them look bad because we got to face it. Americans are very emotional. What do we do when the economy's bad? Vote against the people that are in office. Look what we did with both Bushes. This is what happens. But we don't look at some of the things we have to go through in the process. A lot of people cheered Bill Clinton on when he was in office. But we have to also realize when Bill Clinton was in office, 
we look at some of the technologies that had taken hold because we had the personal computer on the market. We had the dot-coms coming out. We had companies that were worried about the Y2K thing. And so they were investing heavily in tech. And that, of course, created a boom. Hell, I remember when I got into the field, there were women, there were housewives that could pass some of these exams to get their certification and make $85,000 a year, which they did on many of these jobs because there was a shortage of people in the field. After the Y2K scandal and after the dot-com and then after these companies realized that they were being bullshitted, what was the first thing they do? Cut IT staff like you wouldn't believe. Now, we got to face some things now. Yes, inflation is still high. Home prices, they're ridiculous. But see, here's the thing. There's about 47% of the inventory that would normally be on the market that's not there because the banks are not letting those homes go because they're deathly afraid of doing what they did before in 2008. This time, the government's not bailing them out, and they know it even with these bank failures in Silicon Valley. The government's pretty much telling them, uh, you guys need to work together and handle that because we're not. Now, some of you have written in about, well, what about the interest rates? Why are they raising interest rates? You've got to remember now for decades, almost two of them, the banks had no discount rate. That means that the money they would borrow from the Federal Reserve was at zero interest, which meant that everything that they made from you, paying those 19% credit cards and so forth, was all profit. See, that's where the government set, steps in to a certain degree in order to help the economy become stimulated. Congress gives them permission to print more money. So they do so. They introduce that into the economy. They shore up the banks by not charging them interest in order to give them a chance to catch up. Now, wouldn't it be nice for someone to lend you money at 0% interest? You only had to pay back the principal and you could keep whatever profits you received from it. Well, that's pretty much the way it was. So, What it comes down to now, by raising the interest rates, what that does, it deters banks from borrowing money from the federal government, which in turn makes it more difficult, due to limited resources, for consumers to go out and get loans. And with the higher interest rate, it slows things down. Now, the reason why this is done is so it doesn't overheat the economy. And overheating the economy will mean that inflation would raise its ugly head if we're not careful. And then we can go into a recession. Where you have a contraction of the economy. Now, there will be some job layoffs and that kind of thing that's bound to happen. 
companies are going to be more leaner. Which means that your skill sets are going to have to be that much keener. And that means that some of you working at some of these big box, big, big box stores that are now experiencing declines in retail sales because theft like Target, I believe, is posting something like almost a billion dollars in loss to shrinkage. People stealing. And so, what this means is that as they close stores, people lose jobs. And the companies, they then start to tighten their belt to become more efficient with fewer people. And employment rate rises, and things are kind of balanced. Usually, the unemployment rate and the uh, discount rate for the banks are somewhere in the same ballpark. But see, what has happened now is that things have kind of gone a little bit different than they have in the past over the historical data. Companies are still hiring people. Unemployment rate is still kind of low because people can still go out and find jobs. Consumers are still purchasing. Now, the other problem is this. With them purchasing these products and these things, they're actually paying inflated prices for these items. You know, it's funny. They have a home here in Vegas that was selling for $395,000. They had people lined up for that open house. They had another house for almost $600,000. Not too many people were interested. And what they're starting to realize now is that the market has hit its limit in a lot of places. And a lot of people are looking at the intrinsic value more so than just the market value of a place now. A lot of these other communities where people are moving from California, from here, Nevada, and other places to go somewhere like Indiana, Mississippi, or wherever cheaper, many of the people in those communities are saying, hey, you know what? Uh, You may come in here, but you're not going to be raising the prices of these homes just to be doing it by purchasing them at any kind of price. And the reason why they don't want to do that is because, and of course the offset is, well, you know, your house would be worth more. But the way they look at it is, no, I'd have to pay more in property taxes. And I don't want to have to do that. And there are some communities that don't want to grow. They don't want to expand. They like it being a small community. Because they don't want these people to come in from out of state start buying a property and then wanting to change the ordinances and laws and the rules there to accommodate them the very thing that they were trying to get away from in other states where they lived. Or trying to make them the same as a place that they don't want to live. So you're seeing this happen. 
Now, I don't know how wise DeSantis is. I think he's just a politician myself. I don't see him as any kind of great leader. And the reason why is because Michael Eisner is not the guy to mess around with at Disney. He'll make some decisions in the best interest of that corporation, trust me. So that's really one situation that should be hands off. If Disney decides to move in, yes, uh, <laughs> don't be fooled. Large corporations can easily find another home. Look at the Sands Corporation that was here in Vegas. They had all of these hotels. What did they do? Sold them and moved to Asia. And this is what you have to realize. There are other countries, other places throughout the world that's making it more comfortable for businesses and for people to live. A lot of these passport bros, you're hearing a lot of Americans complain, a lot of women complaining about, well, I don't know why they're going overseas. They're also looking for probably potential retirement locations or to relocate where they could work remotely, where it'd be cheaper for them to live. A lot of women are doing this. I had a friend of mine that moved to uh, Iceland. And yes, there are a lot of things that are more expensive in Iceland. Condoms, hamburgers, beer. But here's the thing. She said, you know, I don't have to worry so much about crime. I don't have to worry about a school shooter every day. You see, the problem here is that the incentive has to do with us exploiting others in order to make money. You look at some of the people with some of the content they're putting on these social media apps. Some of them are going out there risking their lives for likes so they can have a million followers. You got to ask yourselves, is it because they didn't get attention as a child or is it because they're so hard up for money they're willing to not really give a damn about themselves for it? See, that's a thankless pursuit if you look at it, money in general. It owes you nothing. If you fail at trying to get it and you don't get it, oh well. Think about all those people that gave up so much money over the years buying lottery tickets. Or right here in this town. Going over there on the strip. Throwing away money that they will need at some point in order to survive with. You know, it's kind of funny. You heard the term disposable income. Is it really disposable? If it was so disposable, why did you have to work for it? (laughs) It really isn't. 
See, if you find comfort in knowing where every dollar that you spent went and you're okay with it and you don't have any sour grapes about it, kudos to you. I have no problem with that. But that partner you don't want to be with probably is that one that spends all this money on a lifestyle, living lavishly, well out of their means where they cannot afford it. And then they complain about it and not understanding in some cases. No, <laughs> it's not the struggle that's the problem. It's not the toughness of the situation that's the problem. What the problem is, has to do with you trying to live a lifestyle that you really can't afford. You know, years ago, Jimmy Carter gave a speech about that when the gas prices were high back in the 70s. I'll never forget it. And that was one of the contributing factors that cost him the election besides Iran-Contra, but the Iran uh, situation at the embassy. Because Americans didn't want to hear that. But it was the truth. And you think about it now. I look at these high earners, not rich yet, these Henrys. These men and women that went into these Ivy League schools and spent all this money so that they can get a very high-paying job, a six-figure job, so they could live the life. And a lot of them are finding that was not the reality. And those who did realize that the only thing they've done is put themselves in a position where it's going to be farther to fall and harder to fall. Because it would be the equivalent of a $60,000 person. They had to figure out how they were going to pay for a mortgage, car payment, and all the rest of expenses. Except now, the only thing is, you're going to multiply that 60000 by 10. And you're going to go into debt for like a $6 million house. And let's say out of college you're making, okay, we'll give you the high end, 140 a year from a good Ivy League school, if you're lucky, which is virtually not going to happen as easily and as readily as people think. You're going to have a lot of people that are racking up a lot of debt and they won't be able to pay it off. Not even before they get old enough to retire. You have people right now that can't afford to retire and they're 65. And some of them are going to wait until they're 70 to retire. And the reason why they're doing that is because of the fact that they know that they're going to have to have a reduced lifestyle and they're scrapping for every penny they can get to make a few extra dollars more. And not only that, to try to milk that job for the last few years because they know they're going to be living better working than they will when they retire. You know, a lot of people claim, um, they complain about Social Security. That FICA tax, FICA, that they take out of your unemployment, they take out your regular check. That's going to be the very thing that saved many of your asses. As I tell you before, 
that 401k money, you got to wait until you're a certain age to get it without paying the penalty. Then you got to pay 20% in federal taxes on it. And then state taxes if you have if your state has a state tax. And those dollars are not going to spend like they would have in the past. A little bit slower. So, what a lot of people do while they're working, they modify their lifestyle so that when they do retire, there's very little adjustment they have to make because they've already set expectations. So when they do fall into that category, in some cases, they may even live better when they retired than they did while they were working because what they did was they reduced their expenses low enough that even when they retire, they would be better off than they were when they were working. Now, what does this mean? This means that trying to pay debt off while you're sitting out there trying to live in this decadence of buying three and five thousand dollar purses and driving automobiles that are very expensive and trying to strain a gut in order to live like you see on these music videos where many of these places are rented and in some cases not even the celebrities place they're just there you notice many of those shows don't have Photos on the wall of family members. Because they don't own them. But we want to live that dream. Well, we see these people and these actors at the Oscars and the limousines they pull up in. Of course, the limousines are leased by studios owned by another company. Many of them walk the red carpet in their outfits. Some on consignment. Others are just made for them to wear for that event. So the designer can be seen and be noticed. And a dress has to be returned along with the diamonds. What you have to realize is that that aura has worn off. And so what this means now is that the people that are going out there trying to show off, trying to act like they're all that with the glam, you already know what's wrong with many of them. They're insecure. They got to have things to define them. They got to have things in order to be noticed or remembered by. You know, it was funny. A friend of mine passed away about two years ago. And at the eulogy, I watched it on Zoom. the way they described her was she loved wearing Gucci. That was a good plug for Gucci. 
what those women talked about, this woman was how she looked, her hair, her dress, her clothes. I didn't hear anything about her character. I didn't hear anything about her personality. Even her daughter, the only thing she talked about was how she and her mom went shopping, how they went to Paris, how they did all of these other things. But I never heard anything of substance. What kind of person she was, how she impacted everybody else's lives. None of that came up. I know the funeral was lavish. And all thing I can say is that the funeral home made a shitload of money for the big show. Because you got to remember, funerals are for the living, not for the dead. We're the ones that want to make sure that they had the best flowers and the best representation. So we can show off to our friends and other family members about how much we love that person through the representation of how much we spent. And in many cases, how much money we gave away. And sometimes we don't think about that. I remember before my father died, he told me one thing. He says, son, I didn't take out that much life insurance. It's enough to put me in the ground and to pay for any expenses you may encounter as far as making arrangements. He taught me about adequacy. My mother used to work in a funeral home. That's how she and my dad met. He was burying his first wife. And my mom told him, you don't need to buy that pillow. That pillow is $600. Because they had marked everything up. Catch you in your time of grief and you got money? Shit. You got to remember, two groups of people that want you, the pastors and the undertaker. Easiest way to pull you apart from your money. Because you got to remember, they're both businesses, no matter how you look at it. Because you have standards, you have protocols, you have rules. One is tax exempt, the other one is not. So you really have to think about this. And then you see these people, they wind up dying with no life insurance. And then they have to go and get a GoFundMe. But yet they have a gold chain on their neck. Yet they have a nice car. And they have all these assets. Nobody wants to sell shit in order to bury this person. So what they do is they say, well, let's go on and get a GoFundMe and have somebody else pay for the funeral, pay for the burial. I just thought it was amazing. I had a client one time when I worked in financial services that uh, his parties were messed up. He got a windfall for about three and a half million dollars after everything was paid off. And what this gentleman did, he set up a fund at first. He was going to put about two million dollars away 
and reserved in a living trust. Which meant that he had about 1.5 that he was going to parlay and play around with. When this man passed away a few years afterwards, he had not one red cent to his name. He had withdrawn as much money as he possibly could out of trust fund. He had spent the money that he had on hand. He had carried these people on exotic vacations, trips and different things, shopping sprees. And when his other family members had to finally bury him, there was no money. And all the family members had to dig in their pockets to bury that individual. Now, one thing to keep in mind, too, you want to read your life insurance policies if you have one. Read the conditions, because in some of those policies, if you get sent to a psychiatric institution or you may be on some medication and you die as a result of that, you might not be covered. You just want to check the fine print because policies are written differently with rules, exceptions, and terms. And another thing that most of these policies don't tell you, usually you got to stay alive for 24 months minimum and pay the premium before you can get the full benefit. So, They'll say the policy is active as soon as you give them the first uh, money. Yes, it is active. But they got up to 24 months in most cases to give you your principal back with interest in the event you were to die before the 24 months. That's one of the things they don't tell you. Now, a lot of these um, other type policies like burial insurance and that kind of thing is not really life insurance. You may come out better saving that money. So, like for instance, you're getting a $20,000 policy. And for 24 months, your premium is about $390 a month. That adds up pretty quickly, doesn't it? Well, you might want to see whether or not it's worth it. So, you live longer than 24 months. And you're paying $390. Let's say you live for... 15, 20 years. Cash Madrid. Talk to a financial advisor to have a little bit more insight on what you're getting into. Someone who's certified and licensed. That will help you. Because the only thing I want you to do is to be aware of certain things and check them out. You don't have to be spooked, scared, or anything else. Because, see, there's so many scams and so many things going on now where people are just trying to hustle and make a dollar. They don't give a damn what the outcome is for you. So, therefore, you have to really think.
I'm at the location now. Sir, what took you so long? Lady, for one, I had a damn eat. You need to stop damn calling so damn much. Anyway, they told me Cool Hooker and heard some screaming and hollering or something. Yeah, Somebody my baby me. daddy tried to jump on me. He tried to jump on you? Yeah. Where he at now? Tell me he going to get a gun. He coming back. He, he coming back over here? Yeah. Look, I want you to have a good day. Sir, where is you going? I'm not gonna do it. Say he gonna get a gun to come back. I'm not gonna stand my black ass over. You ain't about to leave me either. Like, look, and you both are dying, and the use of that ain't no use. Sir, you can't leave me. Well, you know what? You can come with me. We can get from over here. No, I'm not leaving my house. What you can do is stay here with me till he come back. You can just lock him up when he get here. What then? When he get out, you gonna take him right back? He don't care with him, Mike. Sir, then you still gonna take him back? No, I'm not taking him back. It's over between us. It ain't over. You ain't gonna tell him until you don't say that. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not. Look, this is between y'all. So you supposed to protect the sir. No, I, I'm supposed to listen and make a decision. My decision to get the hell away from over here. That's my decision. Sir, you is not leaving me. No, I am finna leave. So either, either you can get your stuff and you can leave with me. Or uh, what you can do, you can call me. No, what you're going to do is you're going to come in. All right. Now, how important is income? when it comes to selecting a partner. As I've always told you, my rule of thumb is, can you pay your own bills? Because we could always combine and do better as things evolve or develop. If you're with someone who needs your money more than anything else, you're already taking a big risk. And you got to make a risk assessment on people. So you meet a person, they have bad credit, they filed for bankruptcy, they're broke, and they're asking you to be a co-signer. Where's the upside in that? There isn't one. A lot of times people are misguided, especially young people starting out, when you have no credit. And of course, you go to a car dealership, they tell you you have bad credit. They tell you you're too much of a credit risk. You may want to shop around, find somebody with a first-time buyer's program or something like that. And it'd be nice if you could find somebody with a first-time buyer's program with rebates on the vehicle. You usually find those with American-made vehicles. It saves you a little money. You want to look around. So, I would highly recommend that you keep your finances separate from someone that you're dating, going out with, or in some sort of relationship with. And even if you're married, you may have a joint bank account. You might just want to put enough in there in order to just cover the expenses, whatever the monthly overhead is. That's about it. Because you want to keep your existing assets when you go into the relationship as yours, both men and women. A lot of women make the mistake of getting with a guy and he may have a nice residence. Because I've seen this happen one time in Los Angeles. However, he was leasing every month and she was under the assumption that he was buying this multi-million dollar home. Well, she already had several properties in other states that she got through her family through inheritance well she decided to sell those properties 
based on him telling her, come to California, you have nothing to worry about here. Why are you gonna stay back there or even go back there and deal with that property? Deal with those different properties with all the tornadoes and things you have to deal with in the floods. She got rid of them. She came out to California, his business failed within about five years. And that's when she found out he didn't own the home. During the whole time she was under the assumption he did. She was under the assumption that his corporation owned the home. Nope, it was a corporate lease. He had to get out. Their lifestyle was reduced, and of course, she didn't like the fact that she had gotten rid of her property. This is the reason why I tell you, ladies, you can be your own judge on things, depending on how you want to roll with it. One rule of thumb that I would always tell you is never sell anything that you have whether you're a woman or a man, when it comes to property, unless it's going to be a burden, a financial burden. Outside of that, mm mm-mm. Because a lot of times you may be thinking you're getting into something that could be worse off than what you already have. You could do bad by yourself. Even a dog agrees. That's the fat Yorkie poodle, the one that can barely get through the doggy door. She tried to jump up on the table the other day, and unfortunately, her gut got stuck. It happens. Yeah, she has a fupa. So, here's the thing. You have to also look at the fact that the person that you're with, ask yourself this question. Are they in a field where it would be very difficult for them to find another job if they were to lose the one they had? How versatile are their skill sets? Men and women should ask this question. You also have people that are out there looking for benefactors. In other words, they have this dream they want to pursue, but they want someone to finance it and fund it. So I want somebody to pay my rent, give me a car with gas in it so I could go and show for acting auditions or maybe to try out for a group to sing with because I have this dream. The one rule of thumb that I would always say is you should be able to finance your own dream if you have it. That's your responsibility, not someone else's. This podcast, it was my dream. I financed it. I have it. I own it. Lock, stock, and barrel. And this is what you have to do. Because it gives you peace of mind. Other things that you'll need to look at. If you go into business with someone or you go into business with your partner. Romantic partner. If so. What kind of life insurance policies do you have between the two of you? So you have this business partnership and you are partners. You may want to look at maybe having it where if one of you were to die and that business were to continue on, where the equity in that business you will inherit. 
So just in case they cut a deal with somebody else, they made some other kind of legal arrangements with someone else, maybe a side piece or something like that to have a piece or a stake of the company. Well, you'll have some leverage. Because you never know. It's interesting how you find things out about people, especially after they've passed away. The other thing, too. We like to say, yeah, you want somebody you can love, you can trust, etc., etc. And we use those words as labeled to be the band-aid over the conversation about it. And we don't like talking to our partners about things that will actually make the relationship better and work a little bit more fluidly. Because you don't want to be cerebral. You're like, oh, no, I hated school. I hate analytics. I hate talking about things. I just want to go where I can just feel the way I want to feel. Your feelings will get you in more trouble than your logic. Your feelings usually get you to do something stupid. Your logic is what gets you into finding out the facts about how bad it is that your feelings got you fucked up. I always looked at it this way. Your feelings is that kid that says, hey, why don't you try this? Your logic is that kid that says, you might want to really look at that and really examine it before you get involved. It's not that they're trying to deter you, is that they're trying to make you weigh the consequences, the outcomes. How good or how bad it's going to be if you fail at it. Now, another thing you'll run into, spenders versus savers. Now, there'll be some people that you'll meet, and I've met them in those 30 plus years of dating that were so frugal that it made me sick. I went out with a lady one time and we went to the grocery store. I'll never forget this as long as I live. We went to the grocery store and she said she had to go get some toilet paper. Okay, and she had to get a few other items. Now, this woman had a big ass, to put it mildly. I personally would think that it would take more than one roll of toilet paper to wipe it. (laughs) Hate to be gross, hate to gross you out, but I'm just telling you the truth. You know, that's all that woman got. She got all of this other food and everything else. Bill came to like $300. And I'm saying to myself, $300, okay. Food is kind of expensive. And I'm thinking, and she's like, well, you know, I cook a lot of food and I just put it in the freezer and whenever I want it, I can just heat it up. I'm like, okay. And so she goes, I said, did you want to go and get a pack of toilet tissue or... She said, oh, no, no, no. She says, because I just think it's a waste because the only thing you're going to do is just throw it away anyway. And I said, so what happens if you run out of toilet paper? You have to get in your car, get gas, or burn gas. Because she didn't live really close. She lived out in Moreno Valley, California. And she had to do a little drive before she got to the uh, store. And I'm like, you would have to drive all the way to the store for a roll of toilet tissue. And you're only going to buy one. And she's like, yeah, that's all I need. I said, so what happens if uh, 
Take for instance, the toilet tissue winds up getting wet. Oh, I don't worry about that. That's not going to happen. All right. So I didn't even bring it up. So we get back. I'm helping her unpack the stuff. And what I'm noticing, she's got all of these fresh vegetables and everything. And you notice with fresh vegetables, they're perishable. So you got to have, you got to eat them in a certain amount of time, process them, or whatever you're going to do with them. I'm sitting there and I'm watching her go through the bins there of her all of her stuff. Now I'm not criticizing this woman. This is just the way she lived her life. And I'm watching her throw away potatoes, onions, all of this stuff that had rotted. And I'm saying to myself, okay, now she's just thrown about as much food away as she just brought in. But this was the way she was accustomed to living. So I wasn't even going to deal with it. And she would tell me about how much money she saved here and how much money she saved there. And she had coupons and she would buy shit that she didn't use on, because she had a coupon for it. And we'd go and in her pantry area, she had every kind of canned good you could name. Had dust on it. Stuff hadn't been opened in years. But that's the way she chose to live her life. But guess who wasn't going to live that life with her? Me. Folks, sometimes you don't want to judge a person because I didn't judge her. I just knew that her lifestyle choice was not the one that I'd be interested in. And you'll find them. Some of you ladies have gone on dates with guys where they've sent you a bill after the date. There was a guy in L.A. that I knew that would do that with women. He'd take them out to Perinos or somewhere like that. Woman had a wonderful time. And she'll get a mail with the bill in there, letter from it. Because the way he looked at it was, it was more or less like a loan. There's some men out there that are that cheap. Fellas, one thing to keep in mind. If you invite a woman out for a date, she's expecting you to pay for the date. Some guys, ladies, and that's the reason why I tell you to carry money with you. Some men deliberately ask you out on a date, especially if they don't think they can keep you as their woman because you may be more attractive than any woman they've ever dated. And they want to see if they can just put you in a place where they can bring down your self-esteem a bit. So what they'll do is invite you out on a date and then humiliate you. Telling you he's not paying for the date. Let's go Dutch. Oh, you don't have any money. Try to belittle you in that way where you're embarrassed and a weaker person would fall for the okey-doke. No matter how fine she is, no matter how attractive. Somebody with an insecurity will fall for that. But here's what you have to remember. Always have money on you. 
when you go on a date. I don't give a damn if it's between paydays or whatever. Use your credit card or whatever. Just make sure you have money for yourself. The next thing, first date, as I always tell you, do not let a man drive you to the first date. You want to always be able to leave at will. Fellas, be very careful. I personally don't recommend that you go over to a woman's house on the first date. She could have a goons there to roll your ass. Maybe you guys should do what I always suggest. Coffee shop, ice cream parlor, pizza parlor, bookstore, dog walk. Something that costs less than $40. And that woman that's upset with you because you're only spending $40 on on her first date, she needs to go somewhere and get her self-esteem. Because guess what? If she could afford more, her ass wouldn't be going out with you. You're trying to feel her out to see if she's worth any more of an investment. You're expensing her. That's the reason why. I want you to think about it for a minute, fellas. If you took every woman out that you took out on a date within a month, let's say you had three dates in a month. And each of those dates ran you about $200 a piece. That's $600. Dates aren't cheap these days, are they? So what that means then that I'd rather be out 120 on three dates at $40 each than 600 out of those same dates. I'm talking about not dating the same person but I'm talking about if you had three different dates. The one thing that you want to try to avoid is the woman that's trying to get into a relationship to be taken care of financially. As I told you, the low water mark, the basic baseline, you must be able to pay your own bills. That means your hair, your nails, your pedicure, all that shit falls on you ladies. Fellas, If she's coming to you talking about we could go out but I don't have the money to do my hair or whatever. Fuck it. We go go to Starbucks. You put a scarf on your head and I'll meet you there. Don't give these women that kind of money starting out and you don't know them. And quit fucking around with these women online with putting their cash app in their link. Some of you guys, <laughs> you think you're going to buy love. And these women cash in on you. Mm-mm. Don't have no time for it. Because, see, the one thing that you have to realize... When a woman starts suggesting things, like for instance, let me give you an example. I was dating one lady. And what she told me was, um, oh, you have a credit card. You know what? Um, Since I'm your girl, I think I should be on another card with you. Now, we had only been talking for about a month or so. 
I wasn't feeling her like that. I said, no, that wouldn't be a good idea. She said, well, if you love me, you'd... I said, but I don't, because I don't know you like that. But she had thought that she had made so many headways because we had had sex and all this other shit that it was supposed to negate the fact that I was going to still stand her up and figure her out. When I say standing up, I'm not talking about standing up for a date. That means to do your due diligence. And she thought she had got it made. Mm-mm. Fellas, I'm telling you, it's not that women are deceitful. There's some that you just have to watch because some of them have been groomed by men who have been simps, who have actually, and simps are simple, impotent male prototypes. Guys who have gone out there and rolled out the red carpet unnecessarily for them because those guys have low self-esteem and they felt as though they had to open their wallets and throw every ounce of cash to them because they haven't been with a woman that fine before or a woman that attractive before. And this gives these women a false sense of self. They get put on a pedestal undeservingly. As you know, no woman is put on a pedestal in my life. I'm a man. I love myself. And guess what? I don't put myself on one. So if I'm not doing it for me, I'm damn sure not doing it for anybody else. I don't give a damn whether your hair is straight or whether it's nappy, whether it's curly. I don't care whether you're white, black, Asian, Latin. I don't care whether you're dark skin, light skin. Doesn't fucking matter. Everybody gets treated the same. Nobody gets any special treatment. A black woman can't come to me and get special treatment over a white woman. A white woman can't come and get special treatment to me over a black woman. Doesn't work that way. Not mesmerized by that shit. Because a lot of guys will lay down and let that shit happen. And then they start complaining. Oh, yeah, some of you have been writing in, talking about how you had to go out and take out extra loans to pay things off, payday loans to pay for dates that didn't mount the shit, getting extra credit cards. Stupid shit. Like the one poor guy. I'll get to his message later. I was listening to it earlier. This fool co-signed for a car and only been with this woman for four weeks. No, you don't co-sign for anybody. I don't give a damn who it is. Mm -mm. Not your job. Another thing you have to realize too, that partner of yours that you've chosen, you need to have a serious talk with them first so that they'll understand the way you plan things to see whether or not you guys are actually on the same page. 
as far as that. When I say planned things, I'm talking about financial. Like, I'll give you an example. Some people have this cyclical thing of taking lavish vacations on during the summer. Well, that's all well and good, provided you really can afford it. And there are some people that are on a cyclical debt cycle. What that means, Christmas time, they go into debt, credit card debt, they pay it off, and then during the summer, they go into more credit card debt on vacation. You will find that you're spending more money in interest than you've put away in your savings and in your 401k before it's over with. With these consumer debt loans. Your credit card debt should be the first debt that you want to pay off quickly, completely, and not use it on a recurring basis. Let me tell you something I used to always do. After I paid off a credit card, first thing I would do, I would go and enhance my skill sets to try to find me a better paying job so that I wouldn't have to visit that again. And I would always have the credit limit low enough where I could pay it off in one month. I used to hate that shit. And then they would always, you know, oh, for $25 or $50, we could lift your credit. No, mm-mm. I love it right where the way it is. And what used to crack me up eventually, they're just going and raise it. That's because they've added other fees that are associated with them or credit card protection. I'm like, no, nah, that's all right. I don't need the card at all. Let me just go and pay it off, cut it up. Send it back to you. See, credit cards used to be a symbol of status back in the day, back in the 60s going into the 70s because they didn't give it to certain people. Basically, poor whites and minorities. And people, when they got their damn credit card, they really thought they had something. $150 $150 credit limit on Bank AmeriCard. That was well before they had Visa and MasterCard. All people thought they were the shit back then. So what do we see in this day and age now? We see NBA players make stupid ass mistakes that are worth $190 million. over social media. Money that people could only dream of only a few decades ago. And unfortunately, a lot of people are living their lives for that opportunity. It probably never comes up. You know, it's funny how people who gamble will tell you how much money they won, but they're real slow to tell you how much they lost. 
Oh, yeah, I was hitting all those things. Hmm. And it's like, yeah, so how much you lose? Oh, I didn't lose that. I, I won it all back. When I lost money at the casino, I never lost over $100. The reason being, that was the most I'd ever bet on anything. 100 bucks, that's it. Now, there was a um, person trying to explain <laughs> my concept the other day on TikTok. When she was trying to do the hourly thing as far as uh, something that she would purchase in comparison to how long the guy had to work to buy it. Now, I gave you the example of the date. I was going to pay $180 for about a four to five hour date with this lady that the relationship didn't even get to square one. And my miscalculating ass when I was first out of the Marine Corps working a security guard job, I said, well, you know, at $15 an hour, hell, maybe one day of work and I'd have it done. Not realizing it took me 15 hours to actually pay for that date when you include tax deduction, taxes and everything else and uh, I mean not tax deduction but uh, insurance and all the rest of that that comes out of your check I bet you don't think about that two days of work and here's what I'm getting you to see fellas a lot of them will go and say, well, the median income for a person in the United States is like $38,000. And then they'll try to break it down where, oh, well, you know, um, what I can afford, like they might say something like, well, my dress would have cost you five or six weeks in order to make the money to pay for this. They're using this as the new put down for men. Fellas. Let me tell you something. Don't let none of that shit phase you. Because what are they telling you already when they say something like that? They're telling you how they would spend your money. Do you want somebody like that? Mm -mm. Another thing, as I told you before, if she wants a five-star restaurant, why the hell is she asking you for a five-star restaurant? Why can't you say, well, I'll meet you at this five-star restaurant? Because one, she's used to going there. Two, she's used to paying her own way. Especially if you don't know her that well. I'm telling you, fellas, the biggest waste of money you're going to have is going to be with teasers. And we're going to talk about that in the next segment. I'm black. Obviously. But this is what <laughs> this is what we've learned from being together for uh, almost 18 years. <laughs> I've learned from his black family that 
uh, you just have to have thick skin. Like if you don't have thick skin and, and yeah, you're going to get made fun of like no matter what, no matter you, you're just going to get made fun of. So grow that thick skin if you don't have it already. With her family, uh, you got to have a thick belly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you got to be able to eat. Bro, if you try to get one plate and be done, like that's not gonna happen. I don't care if it's the Ti, if it's the the suegra, if it don't matter who it is, bro. Like you gotta you gotta be able to eat because they don't keep feeding yeah, you until and, you. And bust. not only that, they're also gonna give you like a plate to go. And yes, and it, yes. it's rude. You you have to take food. It. Yeah, eat everything. The next thing I have is you have to be on beat. Like you can't just clap off beat around his family because you will get called out so yeah. fast. Have yeah. to be on beat, you have to have rhythm. You, you be off beat and you throw the whole thing oh, off. And, and everyone's quick everything. to tell me if I'm off beat. And usually I feel it. like I'm on beat, but I, it's like I learned quickly, like do not be off beat yeah, around there. can't be family. off beat. No. Yeah, that's game over right there. Yeah. Man, weddings, weddings. They gonna start super late, bro. Like they're not, they're not you know, or everybody's gonna be late. Like it's yeah. gonna start. You know what I'm saying? The, the Mexican wedding, it's gonna start. Everybody gonna be late because yep. don't nobody care about the that ceremony, that ceremony yeah. part. Everybody <laughs> want to get to the reception, but then the reception gonna start late. Mm -hmm. But then it's also gonna end late. So the band don't show up till till eleven forty five to twelve fifteen, and they play till four. So yeah, yeah, you gotta be prepared for that. Uh, like you go all the way till breakfast. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of weddings, okay. So, so like with weddings and your family. They wear like the color of the wedding. Like they coordinate and they're like, what colors are your wedding? And if you say blue, then everybody wears blue. I've never like heard of that, but they're like, do you have your blue dress? And I'm like, what? Everybody, Why would I be wearing what the bridesmaids are wearing? Like it doesn't make sense to me, but like his family is constantly always, asking what the color is. And I'm like, always who color cares what the color is? Like, always got a theme. I want to wear a cute wedding outfit. Like I don't want to wear the color of the wedding. But it's always a question in the group chat about that's that. Good, that's good. I kind of talked about, but like tortillas, man. You know, like tor we eat, there's tortillas for breakfast, lunch, dinner. They go with everything. Uh, and salsa, you know what I'm saying? That's like, that's, that's not a bad thing. It's something I wasn't used to, you know what I'm saying, until until we got together. And so, you know, I keep I keep tortillas on deck. You know what I'm saying? You never know who's going to come through. You know what I'm saying? We go back from the club, whatever. You know, her father-in-law flipping tortillas. <laughs> At two o'clock in the morning, sometimes you know what I'm saying. That's happened here Tortillas in this house. Tortillas and salsa, you, you know, need it at uh, every meal. So yeah, you just know what a few saying? things we've learned in this just a few, Mexican just a couple, relationship. You know what I'm saying? You know? Just a minor thing. Yeah, I, I can think of more. We can do a part two. Now teasers are worse than gold diggers. Here's why. A gold digger knows that she's going to have to go and pretty much give up something to be with this man or to get into this man's wallet. A teaser expects to get into a guy's wallet without having to give up anything. Now, some teasers do it for attention, just for that all eyes on me moment. Maybe they were fat in high school, they lost the weight when they got into their 20s, and now they've got contact lenses, their hair dyed or frosted, and they've lost a few extra pounds, and now they think they're the hottest shits in sliced bread. Good for them. That's not your celebration, fellas, that's hers. Which means, if she cops that attitude, 
Like you should be thankful. Nope. Mm-mm. You are the way you are because you want to be that way. You didn't make any sacrifice for me. Don't let them put that guilt on your ass. Guilt works best with a person who is hypersensitive and easier to be manipulated. Don't let that shit happen to you. See, that teaser's gonna always sell you the sizzle but never the steak. She's gonna always tell you what you could have, what you might have with her, but it's never gonna come to fruition. And the reason why it's not is because she's going to always hold the caveat of you fucking up somewhere that she could always pull it out. So in that way, you don't get the prize. This is the reason why I tell you not to be the big shot when you're out there trying to show off in front of these women. Buying drinks for like a woman, a group of women, for instance. And then before you know it, she goes to the ladies' room and calls her girlfriends and say, girl, he's, he's got free drinks coming. And if you got your car over there with that, that card over there with that bartender, you better let that bartender know, hey, I'm the only one that authorized any charges on this card. Have the waitress come to me first. Don't ever leave an open tab up there where any of those people at your table can come over and request a drink. I'm telling you. Your ass will be walking out of there broke. Don't do it. I'm just telling you. Now, another thing that's kind of interesting. I remember one night, I went to this billiards bar in Pasadena. And... I'm walking around there looking to see the lady that I needed to pay because I was ready to leave. And I said, you know what? What I'm going to do, I'm going to walk to the door. Being that I'm black, more than likely they're going to notice he's leaving and didn't pay. I stood right there at the door. That lady came out of nowhere. Hey, what are you trying to run out? I said, no. I said, you know what? I was looking for you the whole night. I said, I've been ready to go for it the last half hour. Oh, well, yeah, I was over there talking to a friend of mine. I'm like, yeah. So I went on and paid her and left. Sometimes, folks, yes, you'll have to use your own stereotype in order to get attention where it's going to benefit you to get things done. I wasn't going to leave the establishment without paying. That would have been stealing. But instead, I knew it would be triggered. Now, I said that to say that the woman that I took out that night and the reason why I left was because there was another guy that was there that she knew. And to this day, I think it was planned. I'm not quite sure. It seems like it's just so convenient that she invited me, you know, to meet this guy. And we shook hands. And then they started a conversation talking about how they used to work together, et cetera, et cetera. 
Well, I went on and played a game of billiards. There was another lady at the table. I look over. She's, you know, talking to him, drinking a beer. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to get jealous. This is our first rendezvous. And so she tells me, um, you know, he lives not too far away from where I live. So he's going to drop me off. Okay, fine with me. Now she did that for attention. After I left, couldn't find a lady and had to wait for that shit to happen. But when I left and got to the house, you make it home okay? Yeah, I made it home fine. Hey, yeah, I'm sorry, but I just didn't want you to go out of your way to take me back home. I'm like, mm, no problem. I said, well, I hope you had a good night. So you mad? I said, no. I said, I'm not mad because I learned a lesson. If I was mad, I would not have learned that lesson. And she said, what lesson was that? Never go out with you again. Oh, you mad. You just mad. You in your feelings. She started that shit. I said, you're not that goddamn important to me. And I hung up. She calls back. How dare you hang up on me? Click. Calls back. Picked up. You really hung up on me. I can't believe this. No man has ever hung up on me. Click. And she called a couple more times. She left that other guy. And he allowed himself to get used by her once again. By her giving him a second chance. You will have women that will use men like this. Fellas, don't put yourself in that situation. If a woman breaks up with you, never take her back. Not because of your feelings, because she's going to try to run that shit by you. It's because you can't trust her. Even some of the women I dated who leave messages on this show. I'm not dating them again. Yeah, we can reminisce about old times, but there was a reason why we went our separate ways. Let's leave it that way. We both made a decision that it was going to happen, and now that it happened, well, they made a decision in many cases. That's it. It's done. It's over. I'm sorry if things didn't work out for you, for whatever you monkey branch for, whatever you reach for. That's not my concern. I wish you the best of health. We can still be friends. But as far as uh, me waiting, putting my life on hold for your ass, nope, ain't happening. That's the way it works. And see, the sad truth is this. There are a lot of people out there that think they got it like that. Ladies, you've written in about some of these guys that act like they're a playboy and, you know, you got to work for their honor and all this other shit. You got to work your way up. 
to get on the A team and not do shit. Just be yourself. If that person doesn't suit you, you go on. You don't waste your time waiting on that person, trying to um, get their kudos or whatever. You don't need that. Far better than that. People will always try to use your insecurities against you as a weapon. You can't allow that to happen. You got to be strong. You got to be strong. You don't have to be over the top. And I'm going to tell you, ladies, the way you're going to appeal to the most men and the best quality of men, if you are that woman that's quiet, very observant and exudes that confidence a man's going to look your way now the reason why is because that woman is starving for attention she's in everybody's face she wants to be the center of attention and see what a lot of these women don't realize all these Instagram thoughts and all the rest of these women on Twitter and all this If you present sex to a man or the possibility of having sex with that's all he sees in you. Because the way he looks at it, you're doing that with every other dude. And once we start thinking that about you ladies, we see ourselves as nothing more than going into a burger joint and becoming another satisfied customer. That's what we see. As I told you fellas, women will lie about numbers. Their age, their weight, sometimes their height, and how many men they've slept with. I'm just telling. But yet, these women will ask you these same questions. A woman asked me a few weeks ago, how many women have you slept with in your lifetime? I said, I can't remember the pussy was that good. Oh, you just seem like you slept with a lot of women. I have. And enjoyed it. I have no regrets. It was a pleasurable experience sleeping with all of those women. But that was then. And the one thing that I could truly say, well... Let me put it this way. About two-thirds of the women that I slept with in my life, if I would have had a kid with them, I wouldn't have felt so bad because I made a pretty good choice in the woman. Not true enough, the circumstances would not have been the greatest at different times, but at least the quality of the woman that I chose was acceptable to be wifed up. That one-third... Oh, hell no. Yeah, that shit right there. Mm. I never forget that one lady I dated that looked like a serial killer. Mm. That woman looked like Captain Bates on Misery. <laughs> she wasn't built like her, but she kind of she kind of did remind me of a bit. Nice lady. 
but she had that thousand yard stare. That shit used to freak me the hell out. That shit was scary. I felt more comfortable with Katie Mae, the lady who drove the hearse. I don't know. You know, it was really weird. I felt more comfortable with a goth chick that drove a hearse than I did with this humble, all-American apple pie-looking lady that looked like a serial killer. And she just looked like a female serial killer. I was expecting to find all kind of shit. Shovels and bones and... But she was nice, though. But there have been some other ones. Now, another question I get asked a lot. Have I ever slept with and dated somebody ugly? Yes, I have. There was a one woman one woman I went out with. She was so ugly, but she had a fine shape. I ain't going to even lie to you. This one, I had to wait make sure it was night. I took her ass to Dockwalla Beach. <laughs> I made sure it was at night. I ain't even want to upset the wildlife. Had to make sure the seals weren't on the beach or nothing. <laughs> I don't mean Navy. I mean the real seals. We got out there and then the lifeguard people or whoever it was that drives around that damn pickup truck with the damn light told us we had to leave. Let's go in the car and just sit there and watch the moon. I want to hear the ocean in the background. There we were. And then she caressed my face and said, look at me. I said, God damn. I said, I can't look at this woman. Uh, I'm going to tell you, it was painful. You know, it... it, it Look, her eyes were spread too far fucking apart. It was like I had to look over to her left to see one eye and over to her right to see the other one. And she had a small nose. She looked like an AMC pacer in the face. But body and everything was nice. And she was like, well... I don't want you driving all the way back. Well, why don't we go and check in a motel? Like, oh, shit. And I said, okay. But I had to stop by my friendly neighborhood thrifties at the time. Yep. I went back in that section. And I saw that red pack of Trojan condoms. That one, I'm talking about that thick bastard I always talk about. They had the powder in it. You didn't have any lube. Oh, yeah. I said, yeah, I better put on two of these. Circulation through my dick was cut off like a son of a bitch. Yeah, I would. Thought I was castrated damn near. I know when you get castrated, you cut your nuts off. But this, I mean, circulation was like zero. Yeah, I made sure because I was not going to get that woman pregnant. Mm Mm-mm. Because I already knew. I already knew. 
if I was to slip up and get this woman pregnant, her genes were just waiting. Her DNA was just waiting to kick my DNA's ass. Them ugly genes was ready to fuck me up. I knew it. I said, yeah, we ain't gonna do this shit. Mm-mm. Hell, I tried to pull out with the condom on. She's like, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, shit. Hell, I was trying to give my sperm a chance to run for their lives. Then the next morning, god damn. See, I couldn't really see the contour of the ugly until the next morning. And I know it wasn't this woman's fault. Trust me, I know that. I did want to slap the shit out of her parents, though. But that's all right. (laughs) No, I shouldn't say that. It was just that her eyes were spaced too far apart. And you had this void in between her nose and her eye sockets. It was like you could put two fingers in between both of them. It was weird. And it wasn't a deformity. Because her sister looked like that too. Y'all don't know how glad I was because they had tenant windows at that time. You know, the kind that... See, we used to go to Pep Boys. Those of you in Southern California know about this. And they used to have the mirror tent before they outlawed it in California. Now, the mirror tent were just like the mirror sunglasses. You could put it over the window. And then California said, oh, you can't have it in the driver's compartment, only in the rear passenger compartment. And then eventually they said, you can't have it at all. You have to have a dark tent, but you can't have a mirror tent. I was so glad for that mirror tent then because I had it on the front windows and in the back. I took the freeway. I wasn't going to take the streets. Ain't no way in the hell I'm going to get stopped at a stop sign and somebody looks at me and say, oh, man, fuck. No. Well, I shouldn't tease her because she went on and she had a family and she got married. She invited me to a wedding. There was some fucked up wedding pictures. No, she was she was cool. Didn't have cheesecake, though. I was disappointed. But that's all right. But no, I have had my share of ugly women. But I'm telling you, fellas, anytime you get in this sketchy ass, you better go and get them Trojan red packs to save you. Because they thick. Just like that rubber glove that you have at the hospital. That thick one. I ain't talking about that little bullshit food handler's one. I'm talking about the one that's really thick. It's got the ridges you can pull pull them all the way over your wrist. Shit, I wasn't taking any chances. I already know what I was dealing with. And then, you also, fellas, you got to give that double check. Like... Maybe if you guys are not seeing each other anymore, you may want to call her back in about maybe three, four weeks. Just in case she brings up the word that she's pregnant. It's the pregnancy check. Oh, no, I'm doing fine. You know, I'm seeing somebody else now. Great. 
You okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. You sure? Yeah, I'm fine. I didn't mean to break your heart. Oh, you didn't. <laughs> it probably broke my self-esteem and spirit. But that's all right. You sure? Oh, I'm positive. But you always do that check. Now, see, a lot of guys are afraid to do that check because of the fact that, you know, ladies, let me tell you something, too. Ladies, please quit lying to men about you're pregnant when you know you're not. I'm just going to have to say it. On behalf of men, because most men won't say this, quit lying in order to try to get him to start a relationship with you by saying that shit. Let me tell you one lie I used to hear in the 90s. I'm pregnant. I had a miscarriage. The reason why I say this in particular, there were two women that told me that same shit. And here was the problem. How can you be pregnant and have a miscarriage and it's your first week of pregnancy in both instances? They were never pregnant in the first place. And I know they weren't pregnant because I also use spermicide with condoms. Mm -mm. I didn't want to have any kids. I was adamant about that shit. I didn't even trust vasectomies because there were people where that had failed. I wouldn't give a damn. I'd meet older women and tell me, oh, my tube's tied. I had a hysterectomy. Well, you know what? Until further notice, <laughs> my dick is going to be protected. And you have to do that. If you want to play it safe and not be a daddy when you're not ready. But it was fucked up to see some of those guys. They were happy as hell when they found out the girl was pregnant. And mad as hell a year later that they realized the relationship wasn't going to work. You're taking me to child support. Yeah, she is. Take your ass on. But it all depends. A family is not really made for everybody. And so you have to, you know, pick and choose. Like the woman that I would probably wind up with, especially now in life, her kids would more than likely be grown and gone. Or she wouldn't have had any. Because I made it a point when I dated in my peer group, because all the women I dated usually were older than I was, but when I did date women in my peer group, I made sure. They had to show proof that they didn't get pregnant if they didn't want to have kids. Now, if it was a situation where it was like, maybe we'll see what's up with what kind of situation that was, what I was going to do was made sure I was strapped up. Spermicide had everything and in the trunk had my flashlight duct tape and shovel along with my time my twine just in case <laughs> I'm just kidding open the trunk one time the girl asked me well, what's all that for just in case you get pregnant <laughs> nah 
And fellas, y'all need to come off this shit of taking a woman to get that damn McDonald's McGriddle in the morning, giving her those sausage and egg sandwiches before you go to the abortion clinic, trying to act like you're all sad and shit. As soon as you pay that money, you happy as fuck she getting it. I'll tell you something that was tacky that I had the displeasure of dealing with once. I've told the story before. I had a breakfast date with a lady. thought that was odd because most women don't want breakfast dates. Well, we went, had our breakfast. I think we ate at Mimi's or somewhere. And then afterwards, she said that she needed to go to the clinic. Now, I'm not knowing what's going on here with her going to the clinic. So we go. Now I'm thinking that it's probably something like maybe, who knows, a health issue, which it was. It was a different type of health issue. She comes out and she said, cool, I'm cleared now. I said, clear to what? Well, I had a little gonorrhea and I had to make sure that uh, it was all cleared up. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, you didn't say what I just she said, yeah, you know, it happened. Last time I had syphilis and... I couldn't even start the car. I just looked at her. He said, well, what's wrong? What you looking at? Like, you never had STD? I said, I haven't. Yes, you have. I know I haven't. You mean tell me you know that? No. Oh, you think you're better than I am? No, I don't think I'm better than you are. But I know one thing for sure. You ruined me going up in you at all. I didn't tell her that. So we went and had that fucked up date. For the whole day. And then she's like, well, maybe we should see each other a little bit more later on. Yeah, maybe we should do that. I dropped her ass off, never saw her again. Mm Mm-mm. Nope. No, thank you. I mean, just up and pimp my ass. She needed a ride to the doctor. I guess that's what my purpose was. To feed her ass and give her a ride to the doctor. Fellas, I'm telling you. The situation you meet a woman in, you have to evaluate it and see exactly what it is. Because sometimes it's a messed up situation that they will introduce you to. Totally messed up. As I told you before, a woman can come to your front door. She could be butt naked. She could have every disease, anything wrong with her. Some man is going to clean her up and take her in. You do that with a woman, good luck. She ain't doing shit for your ass. She'll be like, now nah, you better get your shit together. Please, if anything you don't get out of this particular podcast, one thing I want you to remember, guys... Consider the situation you're going to expose yourselves to if you start dating or being with that woman. It's more than just a fine ass. It's more than just a cute face. It's more than just a personality and all that. You got to look at the situation you'll be dealing with. And then make enough room for your expectations with the X factor. That's the thing that they don't tell you that they should or need to tell you about themselves there's something usually that they got 
later on to tell you about themselves. Because see, when people, what people do, and men do this shit too, what people do is they will go and oversell themselves sometimes just in order to be liked, just in order to be ingratiated. And then they'll come back and try to back into the truth. As you know, men, you've been listening to me long enough, you know already one of the tenets is this. If a married woman or a woman in a relationship lied to you in the beginning by telling you she was single or divorced, and then you guys are just finished fucking, and then all of a sudden she levels with you that she's still married, take your dick and go home. Pick it up, put it over your shoulder, tie it off with a rope, and go home. I'm just telling you. It's safer to do it that way. Because she's thinking now it's okay now that I I could level with him now that I gave him some pussy and now he's going to probably want it again. She may be leading your ass into something very dangerous. Because women will always tell you about what their husbands won't do and boyfriends won't do. That's because they're in the protective class of that partner. That partner's not going to go and fuck that woman up. No, he's going to fuck you up instead. So don't put yourself out like that. It's not worth it. It is not worth it. We at Romantic Truth appreciate your listenership. Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Audio Mac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those solely of the host and are not condoned, or endorsed by Romantic Truth, Anchor or any of its affiliates. The advice given herein is the expressed opinion of the host and not to be used for legal, marital, or family, counseling, or for professional practice purposes. In the event for professional assistance, please contact the local licensed professional family counselor, marriage counselor or social services professional in your region. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. Be advised that all of the background music of production not provided by Anchor is owned by James Adams and Jaws and One Music exclusively licensed for this Romantic Truth podcast under waiver. Please understand that there were no people or animals hurt in the segments of this show including plants. All sound effects were improvised in the studio setting with props. We are an equal opportunity employer with two Yorkie poodles and a rat terrier as the security detail. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.